and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Rio. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. The people of Earth have learned and accomplished so much in such a short amount of time. But we all know that no amount of planning or preparation would feel like enough. Now our time is up. Today, Dr. Andrew Michaels is there as the contest of champions begins. the ultimate contest of champions simulcast across an entire planet two planets to be exact the greatest contest of war ever in the history of these two planets five champions from Earth, on both planets, ten warriors in total, facing off against ten of the fiercest, most dangerous, most well-bred, well-trained warriors the alien planet had to offer. A chance for humanity to join the galactic contest of champions. The first time people of the human race would face off against alien combatants. A timeless battle that had been occurring over millions of years between races that we had just discovered, just be, became friends and allies with. Each of the group of five people facing off the alien warriors contained one of the five sentient races of Earth, a human being, a marsupial human, a octopus, a giant feline cat and a intelligent species of the honeybee. Nothing could prepare the population of humanity for all the changes that had occurred. In just the space of a few years we went from not realizing there was any intelligent races on our planet besides ourselves to knowing about four and beyond that that aliens that have been affecting our evolution over millions of years millions of years of manipulation had brought all of civilization to this most awesome spectacle of sports 
a display of power between two worlds with unimaginable distance between these two worlds and a simple, simple decree, a worked out and agreed upon outcome that must be followed and obeyed by both sides. If the champions of Earth win, winner take all, they control the destiny of both planets. If the aliens win, the entire planet Earth will be at their feet. All the treasures, all the precious metals, all the industry, all the treasures and prizes imaginable being made available to this alien race at their beck and call until the next contest. What would humanity do in this situation? What could they do? We were the upstart race in all of this. We were the new kids in the battle. Though we were given access to every single combat that came before, we had never participated before. Every strategy, every unique ability of every race on the planet, from the felines, incredible strength, and their ultra-fast warrior class, the octopus and his ability to hide, the technologies of the marsupial race, the flying and poison and striking and armor capabilities of the great bees, nothing, even all of that combined, failed time and again against their alien foes. They never came close except once to almost defeating them in a physical combat. The human beings looked at all the evidence, all the weapons available, all of the rules, all of the strategies possible, all of the imagined, and all of the strategies actually implemented. And it looked hopeless. We were just outclassed. The aliens had evolved over millions of years a race to be able to, at the peak of their abilities, win this competition time and time and time and time again. No matter how strong, how fast, how determined, how agile, how well-trained our warriors were, they would always be overcome by the weapons swords, spears, the physical strength. They were just too strong, too powerful. Every trick, every gambit was tried from drop your weapons and fight me just as you are, physical person to physical person. That failed. Use every imaginable technology failed. The human champions, one on each team, looked quite silly. We picked the smallest human warrior we could find, the smallest well-trained martial artist, the lightest, the smallest one we could find, and then we piled 
MR armored technology on top of him, our weapons technology on top of him. He looked like a turtle in a shell. He could barely walk. He was cumbersome and slow. Our other champions looked at him with disdain and despair. Why was this human being even in the combat? He looked like an astronaut that could barely stand on the moon, stumbling around in his oversized armor, his fingers barely able to move, his legs so burdened by all the weight he could barely, barely, barely walk. Everything was barely this and almost that. and Silly. The human being looked like a fool. Yet we chose our smallest warrior and we piled as much of our technology on him as we could. And we gave each of the other four champions a heavy, cumbersome, silly shield of some strange new exotic metal mixture, our addition to the effort. The chest plates and shields of the warriors that needed them were all cumbersome and weird. But the human beings saw some kind of kink in the rules, some kind of crack in everything, and took advantage of the weight and size ratios of all the warriors and maximized them by giving each warrior a shield or body armor pieces that added up to the maximum amount available, allowed, for the team. They looked silly. They looked stupid. The trainers, the politicians, the leaders of all the other racial tribes on earth told their warriors, you must take these things the humans have added to our combat. You must carry these things into combat. Don't be afraid. Trust. We have a plan. We are working together. As silly as it sounds, carry the shields. Wear the armor the humans gave you. Do the best to your ability. Map out simple strategies. The human being will be a reserve fighter. But give the humans a chance to add their technology to ours. Though the plan may fail, try it. There was a general consensus that this was the best ten fighters the Earth could field. But there was a lot of discussion back room talk. Why did we pick a small, tiny martial artist, barely a 90-pound weakling, when we could have chosen some huge, monstrous, steroid-filled Navy SEAL or professional wrestler, somebody of size and stature? Though the martial artists that were chosen were phenomenal fighters in their own right. Their weight and size was ridiculously out of proportion to the other fighters. The cat warrior was almost eight feet tall. Their largest and strongest warrior had to lower his ears during combat to meet the height requirement to qualify. 
think about that. A warrior so big he had to comb and wet his hair and pull his ears down to qualify for combat. This is what we're talking about. And the weight of a warrior that size is close to six or seven hundred pounds of pure muscle and bone with all of his equipment added. And with the additional pieces the human beings gave him, he was maxed out to the very limit. Even he moved funny and awkwardly under the armor that rode on his back, the huge cumbersome shield he was asked to carry into the combat. Nothing made sense. And of course, that's how combat is. That's how strategy works. Sometimes the warrior, the individual warrior, does not know all the pieces of the puzzle, doesn't know all the aspects of the strategy. The generals work out the plan and they try to implement it to the best of their abilities, but no plan of combat ever survives contact with the enemy. The best plans of the greatest generals on the planet always have to be modified, flexible, and change with the winds of war. And I'm sure this one will be no different. As the battle was about to commence, betting odds between both races, between all the peoples of the worlds was occurring. Many people were resigning themselves to their fate that we were going to lose again. People hoped and even prayed that we could win, that Earth could somehow maybe, maybe we could win one combat. Maybe our greatest warriors on Earth could win. Maybe the Warriors on their planet could win. Both battles would be broadcast simultaneously for all the people of both worlds to view at the same time to witness this great event. The first time in all of the ages of combat that the combat itself will be viewed by all willing people of both planets. Anyone who wished to watch the combat could. There was a contingent of people on both planets that refused to watch the combat because the oral history of the champions telling of their victories was so important to the people of the world we had come to fight. And on our planet, some people with pacifism as their religion refused to enjoy or view a combat, even if their own fate was at stake. One of the champions was even more of a pacifist than a fighter, a defensive martial artist who spent most of his career training people to fight for self-defense, not for combat, not on the offensive. How would this person be of any use in this combat? He appeared to carry some offensive weapons on his huge armored structure. But he didn't even look like he could wield these weapons. As I've said over several times, it seemed more important to the humans involved that they maxed out the weight and height ratios of their contest combatants, not that their warrior himself was 
powerful or could be dominant. As the day of the fight approached, stadiums all over the planet Earth filled up. Huge movie screens everywhere projecting the countdown to the simulcast fight. As it approached, it was like watching Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin land for the first time on the moon. You could feel the tension in the air as the warriors landed first on a private island on Earth and then entered the arena on the foreign planet. The warriors as champions entered first to the cheers and jeers of all those watching the spectacle. Many of them carried great swords, great spears, great shields. They were armored from head to toe with strange metal metallic armor, weapons, bristling with energy, bristling with lasers and hidden little technologies amongst themselves. They looked like they could fight any threat. Ten different ways in their muscles. Their muscles rippled under their armor. And they moved very quickly as they stretched and moved on the field of combat to show their prowess. They looked so deadly. The people of Earth might have booed, might have jeered, but obviously we cannot hope to fight these people. They just looked too perfect, too perfect a warrior. Too cunning, too smart, too well trained. What could we do? Our greatest warriors entered the field. On the alien planet, they were led by Tom Tom the cat. His ears pinned down to the sides of his head, almost like a hairnet over his head to prevent him from gaining too much height, disqualifying himself in the middle of combat. He strode in with the other four warriors. They moved with grace and strength of character. They held their heads high. The laughter from the alien spectators was palpable and painful. They were being laughed at. And as the human entrance, the field, the laughing became a roar of whistles and jeers, mocking them, some even taking to throwing food and drink items towards the earth champion. The human being looking like a clumsy turtle, almost a roly-poly weeble, trying to waddle his way into the combat arena, all eyes fixated on this silly first attempt by humanity to field the champion. His body armor opening up to show who he was underneath. They had picked one male and one female. The, hu the male was on the alien planet, and a human female would represent us on Earth. The only female 
of a species ever to enter the contest of champions was a human, a first. And this offended all the races amongst the combatants. Women never qualified as a champion. And here the earthlings, the humans, almost spit in the face of combat by putting an 85-pound woman inside armor, their technology relying on it too much. This was going to be an easy win. The alien broadcasters showing 50 different easy ways to defeat the human and their armor. That they weren't even going to see them as a serious combatant. The human beings almost looking like they were there to study and observe, survive in their bristling, thick, studious armor, not actually going to try to fight and help their brethren win the combat. It almost looked like four on five. Most scenarios were played out on simulators and showed the human beings would obviously be the last to fall, but would add nothing to the combat, the other four being wiped out in a matter of minutes. Five on four, they would double-team each one and take them apart, dividing and conquering, defeating one after another. The only one that posed a serious threat might be the octopus, who could hide for a time using his skills and abilities. But over the time and generations, they had developed technology to detect him even if he did hide. It seemed ludicrous that the human beings were even on the field. And the weapons they added to the cast were laughed and mocked at as well. Hiding behind shields against warriors that can move so fast they could outflank you and kill you from behind while you're trying to position your shield in front of you seemed almost ludicrous, silly, trite. But I digress. I digress. You came here for the climax, the ultimate fight between ten of Earth's greatest warriors versus ten alien warriors, five on each planet, a countdown hitting 60 seconds and counting down 59, 58, 57, 56. As they squared off against them, Earth's champions faced off, put their shields in front of them, the human being slowly making his way in front of all of the other four, positioning himself completely in front of the other four champions. He looked like a oversized beach ball. The laughs, the jeers, a roar of the crowd, and it suddenly became silent, pounding, pounding drums, bringing everyone to attention. Pounding rhythmic drums, 35, 34, 33. 32. As much as Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin took control of their craft with 
little precious pieces of fuel left in their tanks. They adjusted their flight pattern, flew manually and landed, the entire earth holding its breath for those few seconds waiting for Neil Armstrong to give the all-clear and let them know that the eagle had landed. Fifteen seconds, fourteen, thirteen. The human being in front of his four mates put his arms down to his side, slumped. It looked like he'd fallen asleep. Ten, nine, eight. You could see the laughter. Six, five, four, three, two, one. The drums quit. The combat began. Within seconds, the human being on both teams ejected from his armor, his armor falling to the ground like water, disintegrating right in front of him, going into the ground. All of the added armor and shields his brethren were carrying slumped and seemed to sink into the ground as well. The ejected human being landed on the back of the large cat, each one pulling a small sidearm as they landed on their teammates' back, almost riding them like a horse. What was going on? The aliens advanced, took three steps, and then started stumbling. They reached the lines of the human combatants took a couple swings as the human champions dodged their and evaded their blows and kept moving backwards, spreading out so that they were basically one-on-one. -on -one. The alien warriors stumbled more and more until they realized they were in a trap. Looking down, one of them tried to swing at the ground. It was too late. He fell over. One after another, the alien champions fell to the ground, their legs literally evaporating underneath them, swinging their weapons wildly as they spun, twisted, convulsed, fidgeted on the ground, spasming, their bodies slowly becoming invisible, disappearing. You couldn't even see what was going on. It was almost like they were captured by a horde of insects, they were dissolving right in front of the eyes of the audience, the world, watching as within 20 seconds they were gone. The greatest warriors of the alien race were gone. The human combatants whispered into the ears of the cats. Tom Tom the cat reached up and plucked the human off of his back, brought him down before him, and bowed to the human being. You did it. You won. The combat's over. We defeated them. 
the crowd was stunned on both planets. Not a single strike had struck. No one touched another warrior, yet all that was left standing were the ten human champions. Where did their champions go? Was this some kind of trick? Did they use some kind of technology to remove them, transport them to a different place? The human walked forward, the weapon in his hand, not a weapon at all, but a medical scanner. I'm detecting their DNA, he said as loud as he could. His words being broadcast across both planets. I detect the DNA. Suddenly, the armor of the human being reformed around him, the shields, the armor pieces the champions brought to the contest reformed right where they were before the combat, and the human being was enclosed again inside a big bubble of his goofy, weeble-like armor. A speaker appeared on the chest of the human being, and he broadcast loudly from this makeshift speaker. Our nanobot technology took your champions apart, literally disintegrating them on a molecular level. Your warriors are still here. They lie before our feet, defeated. In a trillion, trillion pieces, they lie here on the ground, not even a smear of their blood left together. You've been defeated. We've won. You will accept our terms, the terms you agreed upon. We won the combat. You could hear a pin drop. The broadcasters watched as an automatic program announced and showed the Earth champions as the victors. The roar that came up from Earth was indescribable. The sound of our champions, our technology, our strategy, are outmaneuvering the enemy. Sinking in the sound of all the races of Earth screaming, cheering as one. In a matter of seconds, we dismantled their greatest warriors by literally pulling them apart, cell by cell, piece by piece. Attacking them with a billion weapons, biting them all at once. Within the rules, after all, 
was just robotics, nanobots. They weren't living things. Only living things counted for the five. We had won. What comes next? Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirada de Hoyo. Remember to stay tuned for the next installment of this story coming soon. When you have a moment, please take the time to rate and review this podcast. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardohuello at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you. <laughs>